Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're back talking to Dr. Scott Minton all about child nutrition. Dr. Minton has over a decade of experience as a professor of biological sciences at Vanguard University of Southern California, has worked as a field, laboratory, and clinical researcher, and has provided nutrition consulting services to medical clinics. He holds both a master's and a PhD degree in resource ecology from the University of Michigan and holds a certification in health and fitness from the American College of Sports Medicine. And currently, he is the scientific advisor for Nordic Naturals. In this episode, Scott and I discuss what nutrients are the most supportive for children as they grow and develop. Plus, we look at what can help support attention and focus and any particular foods children should avoid most of the time. And don't worry, we also discuss picky eaters and provide easy strategies to get more vitamins and minerals into your child's diet. Scott is always so great at taking the complicated science and relaying it so that everyone can understand and apply. There's a strong connection between food and a child's behavior, so don't be mistaken that this episode is only about improving your child's health. It may also help decrease some of those daily parent-child power struggles. Scott, welcome to the show again. I'm so happy to have you on and be talking all things kids, nutrition. I mean, getting back to school life for a lot of parents and kids and really how we can set them up for success. Um, So I know this is going to be a real good one. Great to be with you, Kate. Excuse me. Great to be with you, Kate. (laughs) Uh, You are all good. So I want to just start with, and I know we can probably take a deep dive with this one question, but are there particular nutrients that you would say are the most supportive for children just as they're growing and developing? You know, with children, there are certain nutrients that Research, not only in this country, but all over the world, suggests that children can be deficient in. And when you factor in the, uh, what a lot of kids eat now, which are uh, high-sugar, low-nutrient-dense uh, foods, then those potential deficiencies, the risk of that, tends to increase a bit. So... And then you add on top of that, that children are growing massively. Their nervous systems are developing, their muscular systems, their skeletal systems, everything needs to have the tools by which they can use to put themselves together. And this is a day after day after day after day for 25 years, basically, because your brain doesn't finish really maturing until you're 25. And so, and during all that process, cells are communicating with each other. They're saying, how far do I grow? Um, Am I getting the right hormonal signals? If not, what do I do? If so, how far do I go and where do I stop? And and so there's an, an insane complexity going on. But all we see is this little kid, you know, going from birthday to birthday to birthday. So you see the the outside, or you see when they get sick, or you see if they get a rash, but you don't see this insane complexity. So the answer is yes, there are certain things that 
kids are often deficient of that may impact their health both now and in the future. On the other hand, how do you just focus on those or do you focus on sort of a spectrum, a foundation? And I think it's easier actually to focus on the foundation. Foundation that you go from year to year and that way you develop good habits of nutrition. You develop good habits of eating so that the risk of being low of any one thing is radically reduced. And as a, as a mom, as, as a parent, you, the, the, it, it actually gets easier over time. So, you know, when you think about foundational nutrients uh, that kids are often short of, it's, it's things we often hear about. You know, you hear about omega-3 fatty acids. Why? Because these are two fats that your body does not make well, but were designed to have for both structural reasons and functional reasons. And unfortunately, our body just doesn't make them, so we have to get them from food. And so taking those in at appropriate amounts from birth to the end of life is very important, but particularly um, when you're a child because your brain is developing, your, your whole nervous system throughout your body is developing, all cells, muscles, bone cells, everything is developing. And so having those fats going into every cell, not only to help the cells structurally, but then being taken out to be used in various ways to control uh, both metabolic pathways and genes, actually, is very important. And then we can just talk about various vitamins and minerals. I mean, the, the classic ones that kids are often short on are vitamin A, several of the B vitamins, and I hate to leave anyone out. There's, there's ones that, depending on what part of the world you're in, you could be low in, like B6 or B12. But some kids have been shown to be low on things like thiamine or riboflavin or even biotin. And, you know, we could go through each one, but each one plays an important role. And because they're water soluble, they get washed out um, when, when kids are highly active, which they should be. And so kids have also been shown to be uh, deficient in vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin K, and vitamin E. And you're saying, well, that's a lot. <laughs> and the answer is, yeah. <laughs> and that's, the, that's why just kind of approaching things from a foundational, kind of give them a broad spectrum of kind of everything they need um, in a form that they could use them makes life easy because you're not trying to think, oh, are they short on this or are they short on this? It's just pro provide them the foundational tools and allow their body to uh, go ahead. And then minerals are also sometimes um, in risk of deficiency, particularly iron, iodine, zinc, potassium, and magnesium. Okay? And so instead of buying, you know, little supplements or trying to figure out the foods which are high in zinc and which are low in iodine or whatever, um, it's best to probably just look for a simple um, supplement that has a good spectrum of minerals and then feed them foods that have not had a lot of the minerals stripped out and similarly with the vitamins. And so it's a, it's a dietary approach 
And then a supplemental approach to kind of fill in the gaps where a lot of the foods may not, uh, you know, uh, su supply them what they need. And then there's always the things like, you know, when they get sick, sometimes kids can get very sick. They, they need a, a course of antibiotics. And of course, those antibiotics take care of the bacteria that may be causing issues, but they also knock out a lot of the bacteria that are in your gut that protect the, the lining of the digestive system. And that could be a problem, particularly if um, they've gone through several courses of antibiotics or if they were a C-section baby or through other of these other factors that could have influenced how their gut microbiota um, are actually set up. So having a probiotic going in um, at least um, at a regular basis and, act, and after an antibiotic treatment could also be very helpful to help stabilize that kind of ability to absorb food properly, um, eliminate waste properly, and then stabilize immune functions throughout their growing years. So no, that's, yeah, that's good stuff, Scott. I'm curious. Um, and you know, we'll get into picky eaters later, but would it be safe to say then for the average kid finding a good multi-mineral or multivitamin, a probiotic, and then, you know, I don't know too many kids that are getting their omega threes, especially from marine sources. So maybe taking like a DHA supplement or some type of omega three, would those be, I mean, I know trying to get kids to take multiple supplements. I mean, that's why gummies <laughs> are such a great form. Um, but do you think those three are a good start for most parents and kids? It would be an excellent start. And while I think gummies are a great idea um, because yeah. kids like them, of course, they're usually very low dose. Yep. So I think they work very nicely as snacks, you know, uh, rewards, yeah. Uh, you know, little things like this where they're looking for maybe something sweet and their friends have candy or this or that, but they have this cool tasting gummy that has magnesium or a little vitamin in there or something. And so that can be very helpful. But yes, I think, you know, you're not going to load up, you're not going to want to load up a kid with 15 pills to take a day. Mm -mm. So you have to be able to sneak them in, in a way that tastes good that's easy and they really don't know that they're getting all this stuff um, in terms of, you know, all the complexities of taking it. But you can explain to them as a parent, you can go, you're getting this and this and this is doing this and this for you. And it can be an exciting thing and because it's helping you grow. It's helping you think. It's helping you run, you know, all this important stuff. But there are ways to get all these nutrients into a child. That's easy, tastes good, and um, does the job. So we could talk yeah. about that too. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I mean, we can we can go from there in terms of if you think there are better ways. Which I feel like we have to preface this too with every kid will be different in terms of what they will actually take, be willing to take. I do love the idea of telling them why they're eating it. I mean, it's just like adults, you know, when I work with clients, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Scott, you have to tell someone why they're going to do it exactly. in order for them to actually want to make a change. Um, exactly. and it's, it's great for them to know why, you know, it's great for them to know why 
you know, DHA is helping them or why a probiotic is good for their tummy. Um, and you don't have to go too in depth, right? Cause most parents may not know all the science behind it. Um, but if you have other, you know, tips or ways, you know, besides gummies to get kids or suggestions to get kids to take in, um, their nutrients, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. I, I, I think that one point that you just mentioned is so key and that's explaining why, because how many times have we even heard doctors tell us, take this, do this. And you're going, okay, but why? So when it comes to doing it, you reach up into your brain for a reason and there's nothing there. And so there's less chance, actually, the, there's an increased risk of you just going, ah, well, it can't be that important. And you might miss something that's very important. And so I think building a knowledge base into kids about their own body, starting early in life, that will, that will serve them so well as they go through adolescence when there's so many temptations to do crazy things. And adulthood, when you get so busy and yada, 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 it's so easy to do things that you shouldn't do when it comes to eating, that it could provide a foundation that I'll tell you that, at least in my experience, can be so beneficial. So that when you start reaching, let's say looking down the road, you start reaching midlife, and a lot of your friends are starting to have... uh, coronary bypasses and uh, hip replacements and are complaining about sore joints and this and that, Uh, a person that has been raised in the knowledge of caring for their body and listening to it and checking it and fixing things as kind of you go along, the risk of that dramatically reduces, dramatically reduces. And really, that's what we want for our kids. We want high quality of life, high quality of life. And two, Sky, I think about two other things. Like one, just getting in the habit of taking supplements. Like if you're a kid and you've been taking your vitamins every morning, let's say, you're going to continue that as an adult because that's actually usually where I see, especially with um, supplementation, it's the compliance piece for adults that can just go completely out the window. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, talking about the why and telling your kids why is also so important because if you're just telling them do this, do that, we know with a lot of kids, there comes in that power struggle. They may just not want to do it because you're telling them to do it. But if you do make it, like you said, fun, you tell them why. And then the great thing is they will carry that knowledge over into adulthood. It just sets them up on such a great path. Um, And I know, you know, we've been getting some questions just about kids going back to school. Parents are nervous that, you know, their attention span wasn't so great on Zoom when they were home. And they're nervous for kind of them getting back in the classroom and having to be there all day and have, you know, the attention and focus to not only maybe go to school, but then maybe play sports afterwards, right? Like have a full day of activities, So are there particular nutrients that we should focus on on top of those foundational ones, um, whether through food or supplementation that can really help with attention and focus? I think I would start, you know, like you had mentioned before, I think every child is different. 
Um, some are going to grow fast. Some are not going to grow so fast. Some are going to be um, interested in high activity. Some are not. And so part of it is looking at the child and saying, okay, what am I doing here? And what should I do here? But also it's, I think it's always good to start with the foundations and then see how the child reacts. And then there are so many cool, easy tests you can do now to say, okay, is my kid running through something really fast? Or does he have or she have a little genetic uh, change here that we need to deal with? And learn that early on in life so that you don't get to adolescence and so forth and have you know more complex issues. So going back to sort of a, a previous question you said is, is you had is how do I get a lot of this stuff into a child? And how do we help with this? How do we help them uh, learn nutrition and bring nutrients into their bodies? And I think one thing to do are smoothies. I think smoothies are awesome because they taste good. You could jam a lot of stuff in there from vitamins, minerals to fish oil, protein, carbohydrates. It's yummy. It goes down and you can tell them all the cool things that are in there and what they're doing. You can even have them take some to school where you just have a little shaker cup. You shake it up. And when they get hungry, boom, you know, you have two or three little uh, smoothie cups so they could do during the day. And then you also get them into the habit. And, you know, when they're home, they can do healthy snacks like uh, getting apple slices or, you know, blueberries with a little almond butter or gummies or, you know, whatever the kid would like. And, you know, it, I think it's great when they're studying, you bring them little snacks or they're reading, they're doing little snacks or they come back in from playing and they get a little snack. And so this this constant, uh, you know, you can even do little veggie sticks or whatever. You know, there's there's lots of healthy things that you can um, help them start consuming that gets them in the habit that tastes good, make their make them feel good that um, will provide them base nutrition, but also be good for them, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's, it's not complicated. Sometimes you might think, well, you know, why don't I just give them some potato chips, um, yada, yada, yada. And that's okay every once in a while, because that's what their friends do. But I think having that pattern at home and then, you know, when they pull out their little smoothie cup or their little bag of veggies at school and somebody starts making fun of them, why are you eating that? They will go, well, don't you know it has B vitamins? Don't you know it has uh, beta carotene for my eyes so my eyes can see well? And so that they have a comeback for what somebody's making fun of them. And then the other kid goes, wow, well, maybe I should have some of that too because it's so good for me. And so it's not this, they're not just being made fun of for being different. They become this bank of knowledge that can help other kids and may even influence them for the better. And so those are the kind of things though that kind of initiates good habits, gets a lot of nutrients in so they can have a smoothie in the morning before they go to school, you know, um, or a smoothie when they come home after school. 
um, or a smoothie uh, before they go out to play. Or, you know, you put it into a place where it fits very nicely into the schedule so it's easy. It's, um, and a lot of these things can come pre-mixed to a large degree. So all you have to do is pour in a couple of things super fast. Takes all of five minutes. Hit the blender, put a little banana in there or something, and boom, off to row. And they make you feel so good for hours that you, you become almost addicted to them because they make you feel good. And then what's fascinating, I think, when they do go over to friend's house and they eat some things, you know, that they may be allergic to or that may not make their insides feel good, then they have a comparison. Home, feel good. Friend's house, yeah, it tasted good, but I kind of felt sick afterwards. Why is that? Even in a very young mind, you start making those connections. And then you start gravitating more towards those things that make you feel good. And so because many children um, may be sensitive to dairy or to gluten or to other things, um, they will be able to start picking those up, particularly if you ask them, you know, gosh, how do you feel after you ate that big gluten-gloated pizza? Well, yeah, it feels so good. <laughs> And so all these kind of things work together, but it really goes back to foundational nutrition. Um, and even, you know, when you think about it, well, what if I, you know, probiotics are, you know, what if I forget about taking probiotics? Well, the fascinating thing about probiotics is that they're on a lot of our foods. And a lot of studies have shown is if you eat, Different colors, let's say of vegetables, you'll get a different suite of probiotic uh, bugs growing in your gut. And so just by giving your kids a colorful diet, greens and reds and yellows, you know, you mix it up. It's not all brown and yellow food. Usually if you're looking at your meal and it's brown, or it's yellow and that's all there's there, uh, you're probably not going to be getting a lot of nutrients from that. So you want color, you want lots of color. And in that, you're actually helping yourself and your children get a lot of good probiotic organisms that are different. And they help set up different systems within your gut that actually help improve immunity, help digestion, help absorption, and so forth. So just, and, again, not, you know, good, simple foods, not overcooked, not a lot of processed things actually provides a huge foundation for what you need. And it sets up, Scott, those good habits again. I mean, as adults, we should be eating the rainbow, right? We should be trying to get, actually, I think on our last podcast, we talked about <laughs> eating a variety of colors and nutrients. Yep. And also even just that simple habit of if a kid comes home from school every day, and a smoothie is his snack or in the morning, right? They're probably going to make it through adulthood, but that's where I think it's really important too. When you're building your smoothie for your kid, have them involved, have them there seeing what's going in and right. That's when the discussion yeah. piece of it can happen as well. But then they actually then know how to make it. I mean, they could be making their own smoothie you know, a few months later, right. That you don't, yeah. they don't even need you to make it. And that's where it also becomes 
fun for them and more exploratory, which is, I feel like when those other colors start to come in Yep. for the parent listening, that is like, I have a picky eater. I mean, you know, most meals it's like, if I can get in, you know, it's either chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, um, you know, just all those, right. The brown and yellow foods, like we are talking about how can, and we can tag team this, but you know, how can they start incorporating more colors for a child that's being very defiant? And there are lots of those. And, um, I think what's interesting and, and this is just from personal experience Mm -hmm. is what I've seen with, um, some children is that, they actually gravitate towards foods that that they're allergic to. And you go, how can that be? You know, because most people, when they think allergies, they, they you get a rash, right? You, you itch. No, what happens in, in some foods, and let's say in my, in my own family, I've seen this where you have children that are allergic to dairy, a lot of um, uh, milk products. And what happens is when you eat that, it causes inflammation in your gut. And through a series of strange events, metabolically, you end up releasing endorphins in your brain that make you feel good. So the very thing that's causing you digestive distress gas, bloating, your stomach kind of hurts, you're actually gravitating towards because it kind of, at the end, kind of makes you feel a little good inside your head. And it's the strangest thing. And so oftentimes, if you really love a food, you might want to check to see if you're allergic to it. So, And it's the same for kids. And so if you have intestinal inflammation, are you going to be all that hungry all the time? No. And so, yeah, what do you do in that case? Well, one is to to kind of step back and go, hmm, what are my kids asking for all the time? Is it yogurt? Is it milk? Is it bread? Is it cookies? Is it this? And then step back and go, is it worth a run to the doctor to see if I can test for a delayed hypersensitivity allergy like gluten or like some sort of a dairy protein. And if it is, boom, now you've got something to work with because you can slowly start tapering those things off, maybe switch to almond milk, you know, or or some sort of alternative that is not so allergic. And then they might be actually be more hungry to which they could then start eating more normal food. Or you can go at it from a different angle, kind of maybe while you're trying to figure that out, you start giving them smoothies with a lot of omega-3s in there or with some antioxidants tossed in there that help can help lower the inflammation or anything going on in their intestines that may be causing upset. Maybe they had a big course of antibiotics and they didn't get a bunch of probiotics afterwards. So that still doesn't feel good in their stomach. They just don't, and they don't know how to express that, except I'm not hungry. And so you can start giving them things that can help heal, help regenerate the gut lining. And then suddenly they might go, oh, I'm a little bit more hungry. Do you have anything? 
you know, of course I do. Here's some <laughs> carrots. Here's some broccoli. Here's another smoothie, you know? And so you can, here's some gummies, you know? Uh, give them some things then to start adding in. Um, I don't think there's, and, and that's what's really interesting, at least for me, because all these kids are different. A lot of times the issues mm -hmm. are different. But ultimately, and it could be a phase too. They could be growing, yep. going through a real growth phase. And their body is so metabolically active where you'd think they would need a lot of food. It's the, the sense is just leave me alone. I'm doing a lot of work right now. I just it will use what I've stored. And that's why it's really good, though, to have those habits of good eating because what you're putting in before will tie, help tide them over during this time. And then you could pick it up right back again when they kind of come out the other side. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think it like for those picky eaters too, and let's say, you know, even with doing testing or deciding not to, and just being wanting to get more of those colors on their plate, it's obviously, especially important, those nutrients we talked about in the beginning, having, you know, a good multi-mineral or multivitamin, um, DHA and a probiotic. But then just remembering, you know, giving yourself some grace as well and remembering that they're still watching what you're doing and to still introduce those colors on their plate, even if they leave them and don't eat them, it's important for kids just to see them. Yes. If you can get them even just to take one bite so they can try them because their taste buds are constantly changing and developing and then having them see you eat those foods is so important as well. Cause like you said, Scott, a lot of the times it's a phase, right? Or it is like that power struggle time and they will grow out of it. But if you just give them what they want all the time and don't even introduce those foods. And I love earlier when you were talking about like just the little snacks here and there with those different colors, because that's not only a great way to introduce those things, but like you said, sometimes kids just aren't that hungry. And so parents will be really concerned at mealtimes when they're not eating that much. Maybe it's at school and their lunchbox comes home and there's only two bites taken out. And then at dinner time, only a few bites here and there with those little snacks kind of throughout, you know, the day or when they get home from school, you really can help support their body and fill in those gaps. So I just want to encourage any parent listening to just keep fighting the fight. And, um, you know, actually I hate saying that it's a fight, but meaning keep introducing those foods and keep trying because kids, I mean, and every parent listening knows kids change all the time and because they are growing and developing so rapidly. So it will pay off, but I am with you a hundred percent with like one of the easiest places to start is with the smoothie and having them help you and decide what to put into it and getting excited about it. And I love that you can change what that flavor is every day, essentially, you know, they're hopefully your kid has a favorite. So it's easy for you that you can prepack them, um, and have them ready to go, but it's just a fun and creative way for them. And, you know, we've been spending a lot of time talking about the foods that are supportive for them, but I'm curious if you have thoughts. I know I have my own on certain foods or food groups that may affect them negatively, whether that is their attention and focus, um, or 
just in general. I know we talked a little bit about how if they have a sensitivity to dairy or gluten, that can be an issue. Um, but what foods in general, if if it wasn't sensitivity related? You know, I think these are used to be, I mean, they've always been around, you know, kind of processed foods and so forth. But this whole concept of kind of foods to minimize or to avoid, I think are, are so much more important now because of the sedentary nature of our children. Um, but, you know, not just only in the last year, but I, I've read several studies that suggest kids between four and nine average about six hours in front of a screen a day and adolescents are averaging nine hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I where mean, does that time come from? <laughs> like... uh, yeah. And well, you know, instead of out riding your bike or your skateboard or yeah. surfing or skiing or doing something fun, just hanging out, uh, roaming around, you know, like we used to do, mm -hmm. um, you're sitting there typing on a computer screen or you're sitting on your butt somewhere uh, fiddling with your phone. And so I think, you know, that's a whole nother discussion about how to corral that sort of or minimize that. But then all these foods that are high in sugar, um, high in uh, processed or low nutrient value material go in and they do nothing but add calories and metabolic stress, which then accumulate. And many of them, um, and even things you would think are really healthy, like sometimes you're, you're dealing, well, I give them some, you know, lunch meat, or I give them some soy burgers or something, but then you perhaps haven't thought about the xenoestrogens or the plant-based hormones that may be in some foods or the hormones that may have been injected into some lower quality meats that then end up going into your kids or you. And so sometimes the cheaper, low, lower quality foods end up causing you perhaps some problems down the road because of these things that disrupt normal metabolic pathways, consume a lot of vitamins and minerals to just try to get rid of or to process, um, and then things that actually can cause growth or development to actually go in a direction that may not be optimal because you're, trying, you're influencing your body with things that it shouldn't be influenced with. And so now we see, you know, a across the world, really, not in the United States, but also um, elsewhere, that the, a rising number of kids with obesity. And this is a problem because obesity is related to blood sugar problems. It's related to cardiovascular problems. It's related to a lot of things. And so you think, gosh, you know, uh, a adolescent or an older child with diabetes just because they are eating differently than they should? And the answer is yes. Or atherosclerosis in a child, that is possible? And the answer is yes now. And um, hopefully, you know, given a, a very broad spectrum, good foundational diet, such things will never happen, even with some, you know, problematic snacks coming in. But that's the whole point. If you are 
if, if the balance of your nutritional intake is solid, foundational, colorful, vitamins, minerals, fish oil, probiotics, um, and then you have a little bit of the excess, even if you're a little bit more sedentary than you should be, you're going to be better off because you're better to be able to process things those more efficiently. Um, it's going to actually it's going to actually tell your brain to be a little bit more active because you're going to have all these vit uh, vitamins like B vitamins saying, hey, we need to move. We need to be metabolically active. You're going to feel this kind of burn on the inside. I need to move. And a, and a child, as they grow, they're going to want to move. And so eating well preps you for doing the things you should do or actually eating these processed high sugar sodas and um, processed foods actually prep you for sliding down the, the hill you don't want to slide down into fat accumulation, sedentary behavior, and things that you're going to have to work hard to get out of a little later in life. Yeah. So. And that's where I think, Scott, the parent's role comes in early on in childhood of like we talked about setting those good habits, setting good examples too. So making it a family thing as well. Um, but I always think about, you know, we, you were just touching on sugar. If you don't set up those good habits for kids early on, or you are letting them eat all, you know, the sugar laden, snacks or dessert every night, even right. Like one, they get into that habit dessert every night. Okay. Well that's, that may be lifelong, but two, what that's also doing is that can be developing also a sugar addiction because the more sugar you eat, the more sugar your body craves, which, you know, like we talk about leads to inflammation leads to a variety of health issues, actually probably every health issue under the sun. And that's then setting them up, like you said, for if they try to ever get out of it later, right. Or try to reduce that. It's very hard. And so going back, you know, we always talk about the foundation and setting up good habits and good examples. And I'm sure people have heard it over and over again, but it really is what it's all about. And the great thing is then you're talking about adding in habits, right? Adding in colorful foods, everything's adding versus taking away, taking away. But when you're adding those things, if you have dessert here and there, you have chips here and there, right? Cause all kids are going to, and actually a lot of the times when, when you're completely taking those away, that's when later, when they have the freedom to buy their own food, they don't make the best decisions, but your body can actually support that bounce back. You know, it can support coming back from those foods versus if your diet is mainly that, it's not going to support it so well. And unfortunately, most of those kids are going to struggle through adulthood um, yeah. and hopefully don't have, you know, it's crazy. Just like you were saying, it's crazy to me how some kids now are having diseases that they should have you know, it should not be present in children. Right. I mean, hopefully they're not present in adults, but that is, you know, that's been for a while now, but it's getting worse and worse. Right. And I think we should also bring in, um, child behavior yep. and how that is linked to eating, because a lot of times we talk, you know, 
metabolic this and physiological that and all that is important but it's fascinating actually how if, if, if you watch what a child eats and then how they respond um, mentally uh, and uh, emotionally um, to or after that food it is fascinating for example I had a, a, a close family um, Actually, it was a very close family, friends of ours, um, years ago, who had who gave their little girl a lot of sugar throughout mm-hmm. the day, and and you could you could watch how as she consumed the sugar, her energy level went up. She started <laughs> acting crazy. I mean, literally bounced off the walls. Yeah. And as the sugar, you know, the classic sugar high came down, she became a little bit ornery, a little bit rebellious, you know, and you're going, this added so much, just added stress to the parental role every day that you kind of go, hmm, if I could smooth this whole thing out just by substituting uh, some magnesium gummies or some a smoothie or something in there instead of the sugar, they could have saved a lot of gray hairs and a lot of stress and a lot of no, 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 you know, kind of thing. Um, and really benefited the relationship, uh, the parent-child relationship, um, just by eliminating so much sugar. Doesn't have to yeah. eliminate it all, but just a lot. And, and just even also, you know, let's say if, if a child is having a little trouble in school, maybe their body is asking really for more B vitamins and more DHA from fish oil. Why? Because that will help the metabolic processes, help the brains. Maybe they're going through a little lag in brain development and they need a little boost. They need a little support. And so doing just some simple things like that could actually help um, them do better in school or understand what's going on better around them for their age group and then help them adapt more easily, uh, join in with all the other kids, understand what mom and dad are doing, just the whole thing. And so it's, it's really fascinating how foods, what you feed your children, can influence their intellectual ability and their emotional ability, which then comes back and benefits for the parent, which then goes back to benefit the child. And it's this positive feedback going both ways that is truly beneficial, not only in the short term, but for the long term in terms of relationships and school activities and activities outside of school, whatever you're doing and so forth. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm sure Scott, you struck a chord with a lot of parents talking about the behavioral piece of it, but it is, that's a cycle in and of its own. Right. So you give the kid, right. Whatever sugar they were asking for, and then they misbehave or they start to get right. Like first they're you know, they're on that sugar high, which is sometimes unpleasant. I know that's why we weren't allowed to have soda growing up because my dad just didn't want to deal with us. But then after two, right, it's the same with adults. That blood sugar crash happens when you get a little hangry and your body wants more sugar. Yep. And then the kid's misbehaving, but they're asking for something that has more sugar in it. 
And at that point, I've seen a lot of parents, which, you know, no fault to anyone. You're so fed up that you then give in again. And the cycle just continues and continues. And like you said, you know, it's also about like the relationship with your children. And that doesn't, that's not, you know, it's not fun for the parent. It's not fun for the kid to be in that position. Um, and that's, you know, that's something I think if anyone can take away from today's episode is really focusing more on just adding, right? Like adding those colors, trying a smoothie, which is sweet too, you know? So that's also like developing the kids' palates for um, different types of sweetnesses. Because if you're eating a lot of, you know, candy or processed sugar, that's what they associate as sweet. But if you're giving them lots of fruits, that's what they're going to then in turn associate as sweet. So getting them involved, um, making sure they have those foundational nutrients. I know we didn't talk about activity as much. Um, that that honestly could be a whole nother episode of just like we said, getting kids to be more active. Um, but obviously environment plays a big role there too, but is there anything you feel like we didn't cover that you feel like can be really supportive for kids just as they're growing and developing? I think we've covered the basics. Just one final reiteration um, about the importance of vitamins and behavior, because most people don't link those two together. But if you look at the basic vitamins like A and B and Ds, particularly all those, those vitamins actually influence your central nervous system and your brain to a large degree. If you go throughout the world to see children who are very low in these, they have massive um, nervous system problems. And so just by giving your kids these things, and why? Because they go in and they influence how genes are run. In, in other words, what cells do, how, how your brain cells are working, how they're communicating, how they're, uh, the whole system is working together with the rest of the body. So... Um, keep that in mind when you're thinking about, you know, do I need a multivitamin droid? Just need this or that. It's good to have the full spectrum because it can influence everywhere from how your body works to how your brain works. And that will benefit both you and your child. A hundred percent. Well, Scott, if you remember, we like to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and a, so I have a new set of questions for you. Uh, your, okay. my first one is what is your favorite way to move your body? Um, doing martial arts right now. Nice. Are you yeah, black belt yeah. already, Scott? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm a long way from that, but it's a form of ninjutsu and it's very ah. complex and it makes your body move in ways that, uh, your body goes, what are you asking me to do? <laughs> and I have to say, you do this and your body goes, no, forget it. <laughs> so it's, oh it's a great workout. It is phenomenal, um, fun on top of that. So yeah, that's what I'm mainly doing right now. That's awesome. I heard it's a great mental workout too, because you really have to focus and obviously like also make sure you're not getting injured and be on top of it. So I love that. I've, I've heard great things about it. Um, okay. Favorite social activity. Uh, favorite social activity right now is, uh, we actually get together with, um, other, uh, 
several other couples um, once a week and discuss uh, spiritual things, actually. Awesome. So it's, uh, it's, it's, we do a lot of reading and discussing, and so we sharpen our minds and our thoughts and our philosophies on things, and so that's what we're doing now. Love that. I love that I can also add that question back in now that we're all most able to be social again. <laughs> um, and then final one, which I'm sure everyone is curious about, especially after today's podcast episode is what is your go-to breakfast? Smoothie. Okay. And what are you putting in your smoothie usually? My smoothie has a host of different things. I start with a a specific protein powder that I really like. I add to it about eight other things from collagen to cinnamon to green tea to um, branch chain amino acids to sort of a keto formulation to, uh, gosh, what else? I put some fish oil in there. Um, and I vary between basically EPA and DHA and cod liver oil. Okay. And then I put nice. some frozen blueberries and Yum. every once in a while a banana. And that keeps me going for hours in the morning. And I feel so good. Love it. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's definitely supportive of uh, your movement too throughout the day. Like no heavy stomach when you're doing your uh, your martial arts doesn't exactly. seem like it'd be a good fit. Well, yep. Scott, thank you so much for coming on again today. You know, you are going to be one of our reoccurring guests. So I will be happy to chat with you again. And if anyone has any questions for Scott about today's podcast, you can either leave them in the comments below or email us at podcasts at nordicnaturals.com. But thanks so much, Scott. Pleasure, Kate. Always great to be with you. Try adding in some of Scott's suggestions like having your child help make a daily smoothie or offering a variety of colorful produce-filled snacks to help get more nutrients in them and promote not only better health, but better behavior. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.